Life Remixed. Good evening, good evening, good evening. It's Mark Wilkinson here, uh, live from London. Uh, we are going across eight different platforms, two YouTube channels, a LinkedIn channel, five Facebook pages, and of course, we are recording this to go out on our podcasts and everything as well. Um, tonight is a very, very special evening. Uh, I've uh, decided to start taking the straight talking interviews only to once a month. Uh, and with them being once a month, it means that we have very, very special guests uh, and we can build them up and work with them and actually get things moving in a really uh, positive fashion. Um, and tonight is a very, very special event. Um, for the last 10 years or so, while I've been remixing my life, uh, I've been coming back to uh, or, or bounce back by working in construction. And many of you will have read Life Remix and I've bounced back by working in construction, remixing my own life uh, in order to work in health and safety uh, because it was something that spoke to me after I remixed my life to an extent and, and started to get myself into a positive place. So I started to want other people to have a good day at work. So I got into health and safety. And by being in health and safety, I worked at the Olympic Games. Uh, and then I went to Heathrow Airport. And Heathrow Airport is one of the safest places, or certainly, you know, before the pandemic, you know, now it is what it is, but uh, it will bounce back eventually. But the bottom line is, is that Heathrow Airport is one of the best places to work that I've ever worked alongside the Olympic Games. Really, really wonderful place. Fantastic culture. Uh, and I remember going on an uh, induction and I went on an induction for a construction site and it was being run by Mace Construction. And Mace Construction were uh, running this induction and every single person who went through the induction to get onto site sat and watched uh, a short video in the induction. And it was Jason Hanker, a, a fall from heights, is what it was called. And I remember watching it, and this is like almost 10 years ago now. I remember watching it, and I could not get it out of my mind. I was like, that is such a powerful story for anyone working any kind of construction site or anywhere where you might work at height, or indeed anywhere we have to make decisions, you know, any high-risk environment, but it could be anywhere, really. Um, and I never forgot the video, and I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And I, I looked it up. Uh, I got in touch with, with Jason and his office and his daughter. Uh, I got a couple of copies of the video from them. Uh, and that continued, and that continued through another uh, video that uh, Jason made as well, uh, which is really, really powerful. Proud to be safe is the name of his company, and we'll talk more about the, the second video that he made as well with his family, particularly with his son and daughter, uh, Abby and Sam. Uh, wonderful children and, and wonderful, powerful story. And I've put that into every single construction induction that I've been involved in for the last eight years or, well, five years, maybe six years. But I've put that into every single induction because it's so powerful. Jason's story from the 10 years ago one I saw to maybe five, six years ago, whatever it was, um, watching these videos and sharing them with other people so that they can understand them. And then uh, during that time, uh, the Heathrow brought in Jason Anker to speak. Uh, and I found out he was become an MBE. You know, he turned his life around to such an extent that he'd become an MBE for his work, member of the British Empire, for that work that he's been doing in the last few years or the last decade or more around construction and construction safety. And that alone just made me feel like this guy's amazing. Then he started talking on the stage and me hearing him speak, you know, live and, and actually sharing his stories and some of the stuff we'll cover tonight just fabulous, just touched my heart in a way where I was just like, wow, more and more people need to hear about this and more and more people need to listen to this guy because he's turned it around, really. He has remixed his entire life himself uh, and he's turned it around from what can only be described as 
you know, a horrible accident that, that I'm reading about in his book at the moment. I'm reading his book, uh, Paralysis to Success, Bouncing Back from Adversity. I highly recommend that you all grab a copy. Um, it's amazing. I mean, there's stuff in here that many of us can just, just you know, never relate to about when he fell from the ladder and he couldn't feel his legs and stuff like that. Really, really, really powerful. Not only all of that, He's a fantastic bloke, uh, and I've got to know him uh, over the last few years. Met him a few times, shook his hand a couple of times at, at events, introduced myself when I was at Heathrow Airport, and then when I was at uh, the residential builder that I was at uh, after that. Really, really enjoyed meeting him every single time. Uh, he also supports one of the other teams that's won the European Cup, uh, and that would be Nottingham Forest. So uh, Nottingham Forest uh, and Chelsea, the only London team to have won it. Just all the other teams have just switched off. But anyway, look, it's all fun and games, right? And Jason's a top, top fellow, and you're going you're gonna to love meeting him. It's going to be a great interview, uh, and I'm really looking forward to you guys being a part of it. If you want to be a part of it, Comment wherever you're watching from. Uh, hopefully, it's all going to come up on the screen. I'll share it with Jason as well. If you've got any words you want to share with him or any questions, then please, please do. But without further ado, let's bring Jason in and uh, and get this conversation underway. Here he is. Here we go. Hello, Jace. Nice one, Mark. How are you doing, mate? Hey? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Look at the Nottingham Forest top behind you. Look. Yeah, look at I, I positioned it. I've just been positioning it. Make sure I got the shot in. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's over there. Look, look. <laughs> But um, so I mean, the, the story behind the obviously you got Jay Anchor MBE on the back of the on the back of the shirt. Is it a number three? Is it uh, number three? Psycho, was my hero. Um, it, it was it was a manager at the time. Uh, my mate Sean, um, he directed me into Forest. Said I got an MBE, and it was Stuart Pearce was in charge. My hero, you know, couldn't do no wrong. You know, the team was playing crap. Stuart Pearce was the manager. You know what I mean? And uh, they got me on the pitch before the game. Give me a shirt, and then uh, Sean says, Can you get all the players to sign it? And it was the day that Stuart Pierce got sacked. <laughs> <laughs> His name's on the shirt. <laughs> yeah. He's down the road. <laughs> yeah, down the road somewhere. So, yeah, a bit of a, a, bit of a thing. So, if, you, if he's listening, I'll give him a shirt. <laughs> Sorry, Stu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mate, that's a great story. I love it. I love it. I love it. And of course, uh, you're, you and me are of a similar age, right? So you, I, I guess you remember the, the European Cup wins and stuff like that for Forrester. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was 10 years old at the time. Yeah. You, you never forget it because it was just, just magical. We, we're never, ever going to be that team ever again. No, not to what? We're just not. But it's just just magical memories. And I, I know a lot of people say, oh, you, you live on your past and all this, but we've got it. <laughs> at least you've got a past. Enjoy it. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's I mean that 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 uh, documentary, I believe in miracles. I mean that that whole story, the the soundtrack to that as well, the music, the soul, the energy. You know, I mean, we'll talk about music in a bit, but the music, the energy, the soulful sounds set to that Nottingham Forest team with John Robertson and uh, and and Brian Clough. I mean, what a character Brian Clough was I mean you know incredible I loved them they were there was a bit they were talking about the tactics and they were going it was it's Viv Anderson he's going tactics he goes we didn't have any tactics he said what should we do at a free kick boss he goes you have a shot he goes, <laughs> and then he goes then he goes then he goes uh, what should we do if it's indirect he goes knock it to the side and have a shot that's basically <laughs> funny, but, but you know people sort of joke about it but man management he was he, was, he just know how to treat people you know, he, he knew it was a hog, he knew it was a shout out, he knew it was a, you know, give a bollocking to. That, that was his style and it, it worked. You know, he, he got a, a misfit of players, not the greatest players in the world, but he bonded them into a team that just performed every single time. You know, and that's, 
that's what Boyk asked for from management, isn't it? To, to bond that's the right. team. That's right. He was an absolute master at it, you know. And uh, yeah, for him to actually like, you know, get so close with Derby County and then obviously had to go through some, he went through his own life remix, didn't he? Brighton and all that. And then, chat, and then comes to Forest, who's like one of their biggest rivals and turns Forest into this team that wins a European Cup, not, not once, but twice. Man management and leadership. Fabulous. Absolutely, Absolutely fabulous. And I, I recommend anyone to watch I Believe in Miracles if you yeah, haven't watched great it. Film. Great film. Brilliant film. I've, I have watched it about 30 times because I just love, love, love the soundtrack. So, um, so yeah, look, we're getting lots of vibes. We're getting lots of people that are really interested in this as well. We get, uh, we've got Jason, a good friend of mine, Jason, saying looking forward to listening to Jason from Jason. Uh, we've got Marcus in Ireland saying looking forward to hearing the story, Jason, so positive. Um, and then, of course, Emma saying, I've re been really looking forward to this. That's great. If you guys would like to be a part of this stream, Jason and I are going to be here for a while having a chat. Um, yeah, just uh, pop your comments up and I can put them on the screen. So, um, obviously, Jason, you know, I've been reading a bit about your, your childhood, of course. Um, and I'm, I'm about halfway through the book and I'm going to keep going because I love it. I mean, you know, I, I'm very familiar with your story. But there's lots of people that, that aren't familiar about your story. Um why don't we just um, why don't we just talk about the headline first, which is obviously it's not about the fall, it's about the bounce. That's basically how you're positioning it at the moment, isn't it? Give us a bit of a headline of that before we go back to your childhood sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I, you know, when I, when I first started speaking sort of 10 years ago, it, it, it was a, a, a typical don't be like me story. So I talked about my accident and what went through my life and hoping that people would be that shocked by what I went through that, that they would work safely. Um, but for me, I was sort of still unfulfilled. You know, I was job doing it, earning the money, but I never got really that excited about what I was doing. And I think I was still struggling. I was still struggling so much personally, and yet I appeared to have it all. You know, a nice house, nice car, money in the bank, holidays, and yet I was dreadfully unhappy. And I didn't no. know how to, just didn't know how to to cope. And I think for me, the bounce that I'm on in the last few years, it, it, it's literally a bounce. You know, I've gone from being okay in my life to just thriving, just wake up every morning, raring to go. What's, what's the they going to bring? And it's, it's, you know, it's a, it was a long journey for me, you know, best part of the quarter of a century, just surviving from day to day. I know we'll go into more details a bit later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to talk about that for yeah. sure. I mean, I, I, I think the bounce for me is that, I mean, we was going to call the book that actually, and she talked to that a bit, just as it's, it's not quite right for a book. But the bounce is everything for me. You know, I can talk about them for all that I do, but I really enjoy talking about the bounce, how I built my life back up. And I think that's part, you know, it's the main part of the story. You know, you can recall from these things. Um, it just took me a long time. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that was in my mind as well was uh, I don't know if you ever saw this, but there was an interview with Ian Dowie. Uh, and Ian Dowie was talking about, he came up with this new word and it was called, it was like, we need to, we've, we've lost the game, you know, we've all been knocked, knocked back a little bit, but we need to see what our bounce back ability is like. Yeah. And, uh, and they decided that that was a new word. I think it might even be in the dictionary now, bounce back ability is like. That's <laughs> yeah, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Lewis is here. Lewis Senior is here. Great to have Lewis on, on board there. Look, excited to hear Jason's story and thanks for the opportunity. That's great. And uh, yeah, Lewis, Lewis is going to uh, pop up in this story with e-colours because we've been talking a bit about that recently as well and doing doing some interesting work together. So, um, but let's talk about this. You know, the life, the similarities. I mean, I reached out to you and I sent you Life Remixed, um, and you started reading it. Uh, <laughs> thanks, mate. Um, and you started reading it and. Um, 
there were so many similarities between you and I as as young people. Um, I mean, they're just just the sort of headlines for me were obviously your music, you being a people pleaser, uh, sometimes lacking a bit of focus. Uh, and then obviously maybe sort of settling down into some alcohol and some addictions. But talk about the music, because obviously you're very musically orientated as a kid, weren't you? Yeah, pretty much so. My brother especially, my brother was seven years older than me. He was, he was really into the northern scene. Uh, he used to do all these nights all nice and that and tell me all the stories of what we used to get, you know, what the scene was and that. So I, I sort of grew up in background. But I, I love all music, you know, very soulful stuff. But then, you know, music's also been part of my life, in day. Obviously, the dance stuff sort of took off in my life a little bit, but I've always had that sort of vibe for music. And, it's, you know, especially when we have been dark places, music in some ways saved me, and everything, a bit of cliche, but it did. Music's always been there, always, you know, always been a part of my life, having music in the background. So, yeah. Yes, well, music, music can change, help change your state, can't it? You know, it can actually, like, you know, if you're feeling down, but you put on a happy song, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, you know, it's, you know. It can, it can change. And obviously with the DJ mixes I've been doing on Saturday nights, you know, people have been in lockdown. It's not been all like, you know, fun and games. And yet you stick some music on and people are partying at home and sending me videos of them dancing and all sorts. It's great. Yeah. But um, but you you tried a few musical instruments, didn't you? The drums, the guitar? Oh, I couldn't play anything. I was, I was desperate to be a musician. Desperate. But more always said I had drums, guitars. If I couldn't play them straight away, I just went on to the next one. So, yeah, I failed musician. <laughs> well, well, what's interesting is actually, is you know, we've, we've looked at this together, haven't we, with uh, becoming like, you know, or understanding that we have this top colour yellow tendency in e-colours. Uh, and actually, sometimes we're very fast or, you know, fast pace, but we can lack a bit of focus and we can, you know, if, if we can't master something, we get bored easily and then we go on, don't we, onto the next thing, you know? Absolutely. It, yeah, it's, you know, but it, but it is what it is. But then, you know, you mentioned a lot about your, your emotions as a young man as well, you know, because you had your... You had your, your mum and your stepdad, who you called dad, and then your, your actual real dad. And you said you were always trying to sort of like please everybody a lot of the time. Yeah, you know, I was such, such a young age. I was, I was about four or five at the time. But, you know, going to my real dad's for the weekend and then going back to my mum and stepdad's and feeling really guilty about, you know, leaving. And, you know, no one spoke. No one, no one spoke about it. I mean, back then it was very strange to have a stepdad anyway. You know, in my school, you know, school school trips, and your dad was going, and it's like Fred Knight. I was like, who's that? Well, it was my dad, but he's got a different name because no one. Had, it was it was it wasn't like today, was it? Everyone had the dad, and that was it. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it, it, my stepdad's my dad. You know, he, he's brought me up. He's he's just been there from day one. So, you know, I, I don't even think I don't even think about me with dad. I haven't seen him for years. You know. I know he's still alive somewhere, but I've just not yeah. seen him. He's not been in touch for years. So, you know, yeah. growing up, it did cause a lot of problems. I can remember um, being about seven or eight and being asked to change my name, surname, um, which probably would have suited my life better. But, you know, but at the time, I, I was so unsure what to do. You know, thinking yeah. of someone's, you know, being seven, eight years old, thinking about how my dad would feel. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. To, it's a lot for a young lad to take on, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I mean, I wish I'd have done it now. You know, I, I don't know what stopped me when I came back, but to have them feelings at such a young age about the right thing to do, not not wanting to upset people's feelings, yeah. bit, bit strange to have them sort of feelings at such a young age. But I remember my, my dad. My dad was going through a lot of depression. 
Um, I believe he had some PTSD after World War II. And I was 11 years old. And I remember him asking me if everything would be all right. And I, I, I was kind of like, you what? Like, you know, you're my dad. You know, aren't you supposed to be like telling me that everything's going to be all right? You know what I mean? And it was just, you know, but we, you know, you go through a lot of these, these, these sort of young emotions and these challenges. And, and I mean, none of us came from a perfect family, like nobody, you know, it doesn't really exist. Um, and so, you know, we've all had various challenges, but you're reading your childhood. There was so much, when you read my book, you were like, Mark, it's just like, it's just like reading like brother from another mother. And I was just like, you know, I'm reading yours and going like, yeah, yeah. And, and we'll touch on, uh, uh, you know, more about that as, as we go forward. Um, but let's have a, let's have a, before we sort of jump forward into the music and the nineties rave scene and all that kind of stuff, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about the accident, Josh, because, you know, ultimately, the lead up to it, you were clearly in quite an unhappy place, weren't you? Yeah. Um, up until probably about two or three years ago, my my story always started from the 3rd of January, 1993, you know, what went wrong on that day of the accident. And I sort of bring in later on during the presentation, I talk about like the year prior to my accident um, from school. Um, I filmed school a little bit. We'd moved in it when I was 15, so I, I got no exams didn't get to school quite a lot in the last year, like a lot of bunking off. So I, I left school, I scraped a few O-levels. Um, I always wanted to be a songwriter. You know, I had a plan, I was very arty. So moved back to Newark and looking enough, I got a job at a songwriting place. Um, absolutely loved it. We did. We made 1920s replica vehicles and we did a delivery on them. I, I went through an apprenticeship. And I always say it wasn't the best, it wasn't the best job in the world. I mean, the only, the only good thing was it was a YTS and they used to give us £7.50 more per week. So we was like millionaires, you know what I mean? <laughs> all, all the other kids were on 25 quid and we was on £32.50. Like, we was like millionaires. Um, but I just loved the job, you know, going to work every day, never on a day off, just just loved it. Um, then got made redundant in 1992. Now, by this time I was married, um, a couple of young kids, uh, my girlfriend got herself pregnant when she was 19, which is totally irresponsible of her, but there you go. Um, <laughs> um, so, forced, you know, not forced into marriage, but besides getting married, and we, it wasn't a great relationship. I mean, we talk about it now, but it, it wasn't really a relationship. It was like forced together because of circumstances, and it was sort of destined to fail, if I'm totally honest. But 992, you try and survive, you've got kids, you know, got rent to pay. And, bills to pay and you're in debt and it's just really grim times but I got made redundant so get more work and it was, yeah. a, it was a time of recession so if you want, if you want great work right you just basically took whatever you could get but I was very fortunate that one of my friends used to work on the power stations doing the, the altitudes during the summer I mean it's, it's seven days a week work sort of 12 hours a day it's really really hard work mm. but really well paid and it got me a job. And I was only labouring on a job. And it was just like phenomenal money at the time, probably like five times more, more money per week. Just loads of money. So but I was away from home seven days a week. Um, Sam, my son, just been born. So you, you miss that on home life. Um, you're away from home, so what do you do? You go to the pub. There's no, it's not like today, there's no mobile or phone, so you probably make one phone call at night. Then you're out with the lads till, till late. And so it was a really hard existing but I was earning loads of money um, got finished with a season off that uh, ended up working on a building site for my um, father-in-law at the time my father-in-law at the time had a small roofing company 
But again, I don't actually think there was really a job there for me. Mm. He just felt obliged. Oh, you know, come on, I'll, I'll give him a day's work. So it was crap money. I hated it. It was cold. I mean, I was used to having soft hands being a songwriter. You know, my hands were blistered. It was freezing cold. You get up every day and it's like, I was drinking quite heavily at the time, arguing with the, the, the wife at the time, arguing with her all the time. It was, it was a pretty grim existence. And Christmas had came round, 92, just rubbish. We'd not bought no presents for people. We'd had no, hardly any money, arguing all the time. Um, so Christmas had been bad. And then January 3rd, first day back after the Christmas break. And you go back to work that day. I've been to a party the night before, got in, got in late, not come home like I should have done. So I've been out till the early hours, get banged up for work in the morning, hung over, feeling dreadful, crap life, turn up on the building site. So yeah. I, I think Maxim was just, it's just one of the things, we talk about how things have to line up, all the things that have been lined up for a good few weeks, you know what I mean? And um Hmm. it's a culmination isn't it it's a culmination of like loads of those things all lining up together that potentially led to that that day you know i mean you, you know in the book you talk about going up the ladder i've heard you talk more about this you know in a, in a little bit more detail uh, tell me please you know t- i mean did you know you went up the ladder because you had to go back up to get something and then someone wasn't footing the ladder or something i mean what yeah, i said I, 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 I on presentations i mean i my recollection of the dairy accident is very sketchy. A lot of it is even pieced together by what people have told me. Even now, it's like, whether well, I blocked stuff out, I'm not, I'm not quite sure because all I remember was where we was working was, it wasn't fantastically safe, but by the standards of the day, it was pretty good. There was a secure ladder and edge protection on one edge. But then, as, as a lot of accidents happen, the rush job, end of shift, could, could you just, could you just? And so, um, this job was supposed to take two hours. It was getting dark. It was freezing cold. And he says, can you get it done by an hour? I really need it doing. So a bit of pressure. I mean, had we been asked to work on Safely, who knows? But a bit of pressure had been applied. Got the job done. Uh, I come down the ladder. It was being footed at the time. So it was un- unsecured ladder going up. But coming down, a guy was footing the ladder. Um, got to the bottom. He walked away. I was down. And then as I got to the bottom rung, go back up to get some tools. And I was going back up the ladder, grumbling about um, all sorts. The next thing, it slipped. And that's it. I, I was on the floor. Was, there was no dramatic, I was falling through the air, everything stopped. It was literally, ladder slipped, I'm on the floor. No, was, I, mean, I mean, the bit, the bit that I've read in that book and the bit that people really need to understand is that moment of, in your in your life, where you were laying there cold, you know, and you're like, I can't feel my legs. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't. I can't. But I was like, I can remember being on the floor. I, I, I got a small cut in the back of my head, so I got a bit of pain. I'm like, bloody hell! So I'm running. Around. I was really winded, so I'm cursing. The, the two guys, the, the guys are looking over from the top of the roof. Are, are you okay? I'm cursing, going, yeah, buddy, give me a minute. And then obviously I'm winded, so I'm, I'm struggling to get my breath. And then as I go to sit up, I thought, hang on a minute, that's not wind. I'm not winded. I, I literally can't feel my legs. So obviously you start screaming and all the angst, you know, all the panic sets. Uh, didn't think for a moment, even not feeling my legs, this was forever. I've, no. done, I've done something, you know, get an ambulance. It was I was trapped between two buildings. So the ambulance finally got there. 
And they couldn't move me because obviously they suspected spine injuries. Straight away, they just go, don't move him. And mm. it, it was just a normal ambulance. So they try and get a paramedics there to, 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 to move me. But by this time, obviously it was freezing cold anyway. I, I'm shivering. I'm you know, the scale of getting hypothermia. So we just made a decision, we're going to move you. Yeah. So get me on board, get me in the ambulance. And we swapped ambulances to get me to Nottingham. Um, and, and that was it, really. You know, you, just being in that ambulance thinking, it's going to be all right, you know. Yeah. These I mean, you even, you, even share, you even share a little story where um, one of the doctors came in when you were sitting. Obviously, you're still sitting there. You can't feel your legs or anything. One of the doctors comes in and goes, oh, it's just temporary. It's going to... It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna pass. You know, you'll be all right in a few weeks, type thing. It's just gonna be, you know. And you were like, oh well, that's all right then. And then he comes back in later after another scan, and he's like, deadpan, like, don't, you're never gonna walk again. And, and it's just like, I mean, I'm reading it, Jace, going like, you know, oh, it, was, it, it literally was. He, he had no emotion when he told me. It wasn't like I've got some bad news. Just says, yeah, this is it. He got like, he walked out of the room. It was like. But you said I was all right, you know. What I mean? like, but again, you, you still you still believe it. It's not right. No, no, mm. it's, it's mm. going to be all right. I mean, obviously, operations, spinal surgery, put bars in back, and then transfer to a spinal unit. And you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, this is getting a bit. This yeah. is going to be serious. And I, I did a podcast yesterday. It's quite funny that all the doctors give this prognosis. It's for the rest of your life. Yet my the cleaning lady. She told me she had a feeling I was going to walk again. So who do you think I believed? The doctors were all very experienced, so the cleaning lady, because she had a feeling. So I, was just... I told everybody, I have a cleaning lady, so I'm going to be all right. She's so, <laughs> uh, like a genius. Yeah, <laughs> she had a feeling. She, she, what she said was, I'm never wrong. So that's, that, that sealed it. Well, she's never wrong. You know what? You're going to cling on to something. I mean, you know, and mate, I mean, God, it's such a, it's such a powerful story. It, it just... You know, and I mean, if we move past that, and I know obviously there was lots, you know, you had to claim compensation, it ripped the family apart, your wife ends up leaving, you know, the children go away, but then they come back and everything else. I mean, the success story in your personal life is actually that as a family, obviously, you know, your wife's moved on and everything, but with your kids and everything, you're really close now, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, that was it. My kids, my kids weren't from that. Again, I think it was because my past, I'm a stepdad and lose my, you know, all what I went through as a kid, I was determined I was not losing my kids. I, it was just so ingrained in me. It was that focus and, you know, who knows what we're in for the best really, but I was so adamant I was having my kids and that, that was it, you know, and I brought my kids up by myself. Um, but I wasn't coping, you know, I had a focus and I think I, I sort of did things thinking I could cope and I got I got me into like a two-week cycle, kids, they'd be at mum's, I would end up drinking, just a cycle of this two weeks, I was just back going really extreme highs and lows, you know, daily just changing in the morning. You got the kids, next day the kids were going, so you'd be out on a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, down the pub Sunday dinner, you know, just constantly drinking, then just recovering for a few days. And, you know, often the kids, I get the kids to school in the morning, get them up in the morning, get them breakfast, get them to school, then go back to bed till, till dinner time. Yeah. Virtually able to, you know, to, because, well, you weren't like you said. I've heard you say before you weren't coping very well, you know, with that with the whole thing, and and that led you into alcoholism, in, you know, much of you know into addictions, I guess. And of course, you know, we've discussed, you know, like getting into music, of course, and the, you know, you you went to a few nineties raves kind of clubs. You you went to a few clubs in Derby, and didn't you? You were telling me about a few nights out. 
um, you know, and, and the vibe that actually was really welcoming to you. But I remember you saying that you were quite anxious, obviously, about being there, particularly with the wheelchair and everything. And you so you used to get in there early and just be there and just enjoy the whole night and then leave right at the end. But but also, apart from obviously the addictions and everything else that went with it, um, you did feel like that it did give you a good buzz, didn't it? People like giving you love and making you, you know, feel part of something. It, it, you know, especially from the parents, you know, so I, I was never into drugs at all it was just not part of my I was a football lad you know beer and whatever it was mm. um so for me it was more the scene the acceptance you know I was uh, even clubs when I used to go in town like you said I used to go there before the is open get my wheelchair sit on a bench put my wheelchair behind the bar and then at the end of the night they couldn't get my chair out so embarrassed in the chair so it, it held so many problems for me yeah. I think it just represented everything that got around my life and you could if you could pinpoint something, it was a chair. And I had a real bad relationship with it, you know. Um, but when I went to the first rape club in, in Derby, you know, going somewhere new, my anxiety was all over the place. You know, I'd, I, you know, I'd get drunk before I'd go. And, and, and then, obviously, t- getting in there, how we're going to get in. You know, even clubs in town where I lived, if it was full, we'd say, Jason, we're too busy tonight, mate, you can't come in. So... That part of anxiety, but when I went to Derby for the very first time, and we got there, we got a massive queue outside, you know, because it was such a great club renaissance, you know, really well followed. People came from all over the UK to it. Massive queues. We got there, and they saw me. I think Jeff Oates used to run the day. I think Jeff came through the door one day. He saw me and just built it. I thought I was going to say, You can't come in. You know, I was expecting to be turned away. Get in it. Get to the front. It's who you went. It's just about so they can all come in. So there's no like worry about not getting in. I'm first in there, and I went, went in for the very first time. Usual, where I'm sitting tonight, where I'm going to put the chair. And they said, you, you, you can't sit anywhere. You're going to be up all night. So like the anxiety, the, the feeling, like well, people coming in looking at me, but so much love. Uh, you know, people saying, "Wow, great to see you." And like end of the night, I'm on a podium somewhere dancing. You know, just. You know, it, 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 that was the high for me because you were so welcomed. You just felt like your disability wasn't a disability. Like people were like more or less congratulating you for being out. It's just great to see someone like you out. Well, you know, you're welcome. Blah blah. blah. So, yeah. you know, that that was sort of the addiction for me. But again, the, the lose from that was huge. Yeah. And obviously, the addictive side of it was it wasn't all great. You know, that side was great, but what you was doing to your body and there's so many extra complication you've got to be in a wheelchair these sort of drugs affect your body and it was you know it was only two years later that you know it all went wrong so let's come back to that in a set but just just this this little bit obviously in the forward of life remix because we talk about obviously uh you came out with your e-colors as yellow blue although you've got a nice balance of everything but yellow blue were your sort of predominant ones and we went through it together and it was very very interesting but lewis senior wrote this bit about me because i was yellow blue i'm now one percent yellow red but i'm still pretty pretty much yellow blue um but he says, people with these uh, propensities are best described as relating socialisers. So this is you and me, Jase. Typically focused on people rather than tasks. Having a strong desire to help others, like to be liked or even better loved. That's us, isn't it? Um, uh, emotionally driven, don't like confrontation, struggle to say no for fear of upsetting someone. Actually, several people whose e-colours are yellow-blue describe themselves as party animals. Um, if you knew Mark back in the day, do any of these behaviours described here sound like him? 
Uh, I mean, you know, it was fascinating for Lewis to write that about me, but I know that, you know, it's something we'll go back to later, but it's certainly something that's just, it's, it's kind of, it's in your personality. It's kind of like who you are, isn't it? And, and, you know, I don't think you should, you know, you mustn't feel, you mustn't feel bad about that. You've got to get into that level of appreciation of who you are because you bring some amazing skills. Every single person does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's fascinating, Jace, you know, and then, yeah, the whole, the whole nineties Ray thing, it had, it had its highs clearly. Uh, it had its good things that, you know, were just people just being friendly and, and helping each other. But of course, you know, you touched there where yeah, a couple of years where it all went wrong, you know, I mean, just talk a bit more about that because I mean, you ended up in, in hospital again, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, um, again, because of my anxiety, there's going to see Jeremy Healy at Sheffield, a different club. So straight away, oh, somewhere new. Will I be welcomed at a new, different club? And I decided I wasn't going to go. So I went up town all day drinking and got in a taxi to come home. And by chance, one of the lads who was going to spot me said, James, you're coming tonight, definitely coming, aren't you? So I went, all right, I'll go and get changed. So I went back out and, um, yeah, yeah. Started feeling really bad as soon as I got in the club, really. A couple of hours in there, um, they brought me on the bus. I was hallucinating, they couldn't control me. Uh, dropped me off the hospital, it was about three or four o'clock in the morning. They were scared what was happening, so they just dropped me at a local hospital. Then my dad took the phone call, sort of three or four o'clock in the morning. Your son's in the hospital, we haven't got a clue what's wrong with him. Can you try and find out where he's been and what he's done? Um, so my dad just rang around people he knew and um, one of my friends just said look he's he's taking some some stuff um, and that was it and it you know it just went down from there I was in a coma for 17 days induced coma for 17 days on a ventilator uh, mum and dad told to switch machine off after 15 days they, they said look he's got brain damage he's, he's, gonna be, he's not going to be like his son anymore we advise you just turn it off. But my dad, my dad just said no. This, I, I, I mean, dad sat in bed all the time. I mean, mum was great, and he was living, he was living in the hospital. But my dad just sat me all night, and he says, "No, there's, there's something there. We're not getting up on him." And I came out after 17 days. It was touch and go. They couldn't even bring me around. They were struggling to get me out of the coma. Every time he tried, my heart rate was going through the roof. So he says, "We, we can't even get him out of it." So. They finally got me out of the coma, but I was I was scrambled. My brain was really, really affected. My speech was really slurred. Um, I was on a ventilator for about another week. Just a real grim place. In fact, I was I went to rehab for longer than I spent when I had my accident. <laughs> yeah, about five months I was not rehab for, just trying to function. I came to the hospital not not well. You know, I was still very it was it was very similar to a stroke. So mm. not, lost my arms properly I couldn't lift myself so yeah it, it was pretty 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 grim and I was on a podcast last night somebody says well, was that the turning point and I just laughed said I wish it was <laughs> but it wasn't <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, you know, your your videos, particularly your second video that I was talking about in the intro there. I mean, the effect that all of this. You know, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the Proud to be Safe video, which if you can find it, on, you, well, you can find it on YouTube, just put in Jason Anchor, Proud to be Safe, and you'll find it. But that video obviously has uh, Abby and Sam both talking about their take on it and, and how, what's, how they're feeling. When, when Abby cries at the end of that video, which I'm sorry to, to, but when Abby cries at the end of that video, I've watched it about, 
I've watched that video 500 times, right? In various different roles, in inductions and all sorts of stuff. And I'm literally, every time she cries, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to cry. Like, Abby never cries. Wow. Abby never, never cries, Not, especially in public. She'll cry in a bedroom. If you, but she never cries in public, ever. No matter what you say, what don't, she will not cry. And it just shows them. I mean, Sam was, you could tell Sam, Sam was, he wasn't going to do it. I just, I picked him up one day. I'm not asking him to do it. He'll say no. I just said, Sam, come to my house. And, it, 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 and it's. So you surprised him. <laughs> yeah, pleasant surprise. Yeah. But for me, he just shows the emotion of my accident. You know, it's not about me. And for me, for so long, it was, you know, for yeah. me, everything was about me. I was injured. I was in the wheelchair. It was my life being affected. It, 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 it has took me a long, long time to really appreciate the impact that my decisions have had on other people. Mm. And it goes back to what we know now. It, it, it wasn't the chair was a problem, especially with mum and dad. The wheelchair was never the issue. It was my reaction to the wheelchair that was the issue. Well, I wrote down, you know, you know, when you're talking, if I have, you know, as a as a top colour yellow, I want to jump in and say something, but I have to put every little pause moment and uh, and I have to do it. But one of the things I wrote down is uh, we spoke about this, you know, I've been talking for the last week or two, haven't we? And um, I just wrote gratitude for the chair because I know that's you're, that's a position you've got yourself to now, right? Yeah. I say all the time, you know, the, the chair used to represent every single thing that had gone wrong in my life. Such an easy blame. Every relationship, every every down thing in my life was all blamed on the chair, you know. And every time I, I say, it, every time I wake up in the morning, the first thing I see is my wheelchair, mm. you know, for impact. But you know, I look my, I wake up in a different mindset every morning. I practice gratitude every single day when I wake up. So before I open my eyes, I've done all the gratitude stuff, and then I open my eyes, and there's my wheelchair side of my bed. But to me, that's my mobility. You know, yeah. I'm pleased to nowadays. If you want me, I'll be laid in bed all day. So and that's a shift of mindset. Nothing nothing more, nothing greater than a shift of mindset that, you know, that thing has took me places that I've seen things that I never would have seen if I'd not had my accident. I've been places, done things. You know, you talk about Buckingham Palace. I've been three times now. I went, I went to a garden party. All right, Jay. <laughs> garden party. We went to the garden party. It was uh, the Rosper... Uh, 70 years thing uh, you might be invited uh, you might have been there no I didn't so, but uh, next year <laughs> it was all security it was a, a terrorist a, a, some attacks or something so it was high security everyone's queuing and I, got, I went with Sean Sean was a, a plus one who had been working so Sean came along with me and we got to the gate and everyone's queuing up and we got our tickets like the golden ticket like Willy Wonka we got our tickets out and security just went these two guys are you coming now really and yeah we was in the royal tent <laughs> 20 other people it's like the most and it was a baking up day and we're in the royal tent all air conditioned the people mm-hmm. outside like thousands of people like looking at us and me and Sean thinking how the hell does this happen but you know knowing what I know now it, 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 you make these things happen you know only by doing what you do and pushing things out there you get these opportunities and you know we've been back since me and we went back for a tour potentially got some work there doing some work and it's just it's just a surreal, you know, and the only downside I have is like, I've, if I'd been in the place where I am now, how much more would I have enjoyed these experiences? But it is what it is. It's gone. You know, I can't, I look back. I did things like even the NBA. I didn't, I was just like, 
Uh, so, I mean, yes, I mean, before we get on to that, so I'd love to know a bit more about how the NBA came about, mate, because that's a guess. I mean, to go from almost, you know, life support machine being, all, you know, almost switched off to what you've done and how you've achieved it is incredible. Obviously, I was saying about uh, Abby, uh, you know, in the video and everything, but uh, Emma, my wife, is saying it's Jason's dad uh, in the video that chokes her up when she watches that. And I, I remember your dad gets very emotional, doesn't he, one of the one of the scenes in one of the videos because um, – you know, he cares so much and obviously sitting next to you there and uh, uh, all the way through that horrific uh, hospital experience, you know, uh, you know, beautiful. I mean, what a guy, what a guy, what a man to, to, to look up to and everything, you know, I think it's, uh, it's really beautiful. But yeah, the NBA, so I mean, you know, how does that come about? I mean, I remember my, one of my friends is a DJ, Norman Jay, uh, and Norman Jay NBA, and, and he, he has tells a story where someone actually rings him up uh, and he thinks they're on the wind up. He's like, they're from the, he thinks they're from the, like, you know, it's, it's one of his mates saying he's from Downing Street or from the, and he's like, shut up, you know, like, what? So, I mean, how did it happen? Well, pre- pretty similar, really. Slightly, but pretty similar. Uh, that, I mean, that stage, I was working with Nicholas. I, I'd go away on a Sunday, get back on a Friday. It was, it, when I first started, it was really tough. Doing mm. sort of four sessions a day. It, mm. I worked so hard. It was just ridiculous. I was always knackered. And, I got back in on a Friday night, you know, switch the light on, pile of mail, so, you know, make a cup of tea. But it gave you a bit of purpose, right, at a time when you probably needed it, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I mean, I got a letter. So, there's a letter, all stamped up officially, and straight away I thought, drawing <laughs> service? Really? I'm so naked, I can't do this. This is the worst thing ever. So, rip the letter open, thinking, what the hell's going on here? Um, and then sort of read it, thinking... What someone's nominated me for an MBA, that, that's amazing, you know, that's amazing. And sort of later on, just revisit the letter and beat up again to have a good read through it and go, no, no you, you've got one, you've been awarded an MBA, but you sworn secrecy, can't tell anybody, not not a soul, not a soul you can tell, you can't tell your family, you can't tell anyone. Yeah, and that was sort of um, October. So like, I'm thinking, I am, but, but three, three months before it comes out in January, yeah. comes out in January. So, well, it says no one, eh? I'm thinking, well, obviously you can tell your mum and dad. So I took the letter around to my dad's, gave my dad the letter, and then I got an email saying, do not tell your family members, do not tell anyone, eh? So I had to go around to my dad's and do this long-winded thing about getting this letter back. And then it, it broke about um, a week before Christmas. So it was in the New Year's Honours. So you find about October time. Yeah. And then the press gets here about a week before they come around. They're all sw- sworn secrecy. So I had to let my dad sort of into, into the thing a little bit. Um, but again, I was just obviously I'm, you're humbled to receive something like that. Don't get me wrong, but did it, what did it mean to me? I mean, I was made up from my parents. Just they were so proud, you know what I mean? To, to, for them, it was just like just amazing. Well, what a turnaround for them to you know to go from that yeah. what you, you yeah, just talked for yeah. them to you know that's amazing for them as well. Matt, I think that's what I felt. I, all what I've done to them, you know. Cause, it literally has ruined their lives. You know, again, not my accident. If I had dealt with it better, they wouldn't be in the place. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like, I mean, the, the thing about it is, Jace, is, you know, you're similar age to me, you know, around 50 and whatever, you know, we've got plenty of years left on this planet. There's lots of things that we can do that should change. You know, you've been doing it for years in a positive way. You're going to continue to do it. I know I've got a couple of comments here as well. So uh, Emma says, uh, what did Prince Charles say to you when when you presented the MBA? Is there any special words from 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 uh, Prince Charles? Or? Um, well, honestly, whether you're all this or not, um, Prince Charles, there was, I think, about... 150 people have gone through. He spoke to everybody who went up. 
And okay. I was like, really trying to remember all the etiquette things we've been trained, not any heads at the right time. So I was really nervous. And it, it presented it said, um, how was it at Ross Ith? And I thought, how do you know I've been on the air? So he, he actually, there's no one there, it, but yeah, he, could, he, he knew my background that I'd worked on the aircraft carriers, which I thought was absolutely insane. So yeah, it, it was just, it's one of the moments I thought, I can remember it, I can remember what happened, I got on films, it was all films, so you got a bit of a film about it, but yeah, it was, it was just a surreal time, you know, Prince Charles is talking to you about what you've done in your work, and you're trying to, Remember all the, I don't remember the etiquette and keep trying to be cool. <laughs> Honestly, bow your head going towards him. As I got to him, I thought, I'm not bowing my head. So I was like switched off straight away thinking, oh my God, I've got it wrong. I've got it all wrong. Um, but yeah, just uh, just the way he speaks to people, every person, he spoke to every single person. Um, so yeah, it was, just, it was just fabulous. You know, then when all, we all went to the Savoy afterwards, me, I'd be my dad, I'd be slap up meal with champagne at the Savoy. Just the whole thing was just, and my dad was so happy. You know, it was just, mum, she wasn't well enough to come. Mum suffers a little bit, so mum wasn't well enough to come for the day. But my dad, and your dad was over the moon, mate. Was, yeah, it was, I've, got, I've got another message here, and this is someone I've been wanting to speak to for a long time. Uh, this is your friend Sean. Oh, yeah. Your friend Sean here says, Garden Park, the palace was a brilliant day, and another lifelong memory I've had with Jace. Now, I've seen Sean. Uh, speak with you on on stages. Uh, I've seen him share his part of the story. I've also watched the video, as I've said before, in every induction I've ever done for the last five, six, seven years, however long it was. And Sean, I just want you to know that your story about keeping Jason's football boots in in your bag for five years or four or five years or whatever until after his accident, that was the other moment that I never forgot. I was like, you're, I mean... Just the fact that you, you know, you just kept thinking, well, you know, it's Jace, you know, be all right, be all right, you know, that kind of stuff. And those football beats, I've always remembered that story as well. So, but Sean, I know Sean's travelled with you a lot and has been around and has supported you, supported you in, in the talks as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I, Sean's, I mean, he, he had his own problems growing up. He had attempted suicide when he was 17. So I've, I've helped Sean now to make his own story because, again, what Sean did, it, what most people presume it as mental health that you go into a bit of a crisis and Sean Sean had an episode at 17 but he, he used comedy as a defence mechanism so he laughed and joked all his, all his life you know and people say oh Sean's okay he's always laughing and joking and yet he was going for a massive traumatic time himself wearing a mask out of it yeah, yeah I mean if Sean, Sean if you're watching I'd love to send you a copy of my book Life Remix Sean I'd love I, th I think you might enjoy it I'd love to share it with you because what Sean, Sean's work and supporting you as a friend uh, and going through everything, you know, with you, particularly in the in the last few years that I've seen, um, you know, I think it's beautiful, and I think it's, it's so nice. You know, we need people around us to to help us. You know, that's the mental health agenda is about all of us helping and supporting each other, right? Absolutely, I'll be sure up a little bit. So I get a bit of a dog's life uh, working for me, but yeah, I don't know where I'd be without Sean helping me, driving me all over, and uh, he does support me really well. But yeah, that's it, and I'll never mention it ever again. So that's the best it gets for sure. <laughs> 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 you've picked him up you've picked him up so yeah obviously you know the the the, the whole thing uh oh look, look bless him look here he goes he says thanks mark there you go so uh, send me uh, inbox me your address sean i'm going to the post office in the morning i'd love to send you a book i'd love to send you a book uh yeah now he's laughing at you joe so there you go uh but yeah big up sean mate because uh you know you're, you're a top fella mate uh and uh yeah i love your i love your vibe um so look obviously you know we've, we've touched on the accident we've touched on um 
the the impact on your health and well-being and everything else that's gone around gone around it um you know what was the turning point you know because obviously if you know that guy asked you on that podcast yesterday was it the turning point yeah had you rock bottomed out when you were you know on you know almost on a almost switched off on a life support machine i mean what happened after that then so you had the rehab yeah again i I didn't cope i found a way of coping i got into a disabled water skiing um again hobby but everyone everyone at the ski place where i went to was all big drinkers so i didn't really escape the drinking side of it um so yeah i just coped for 16 years just found that way of coping and because i've been through so much and I, i could say i'd affected people so much my way of coping i thought well I don't deserve any more because this I've got a cope for everybody else. So it was all about looking after the kids and, you know, appearing okay. But drink, such a binge binge drink, it was unbelievable. You know, I I drunk to get drunk. You know, I didn't drink in the house when the kids were there. But when the kids went to the mums or, I mean, especially as they grow up, they saw a lot more because obviously when there's little, I was protecting them. But as they grow up, the amount of times Sam's brought me home from places, you know, because his dad's drunk, he'll, he'll... take that home again because he's, he's drunk and you know uh, but I think you were probably numbing the, the pain yeah. of the yeah, yeah. without a doubt it, it was purely to, to numb the pain you know and I think Sam was a bit shocked I'm speaking about all this now but I have been speaking on the presentations for, for quite a while now because it's it, it's such a part of the story that didn't know how to cope didn't know how to speak to was aware that most of the problems was caused by myself so who am I to speak up to you know what else can I get who can I ask for help? Because I've caused most of this myself. So think of other people. Again, going back to what you said about think about other people for yourself. It was like, I'll just live like this the rest of my life and hopefully other people will be better around me. Um, and so, I mean, so so were you, I mean, when did the public speaking start? Because that, there's a little story behind that as yeah. well about how that yeah. actually came about. Exactly. I mean, I got the conversation after, after 14 years didn't help at all. I used to go on all this, spend more money, just didn't change anything. And then drunk in a pub, I was drunk somewhere, and somebody who I knew just gave me this business card and said, look, this guy does, is looking for a speaker. And that was much of a story, really, reading this number. And I woke up the next day, as you do, searching for your chain, trying to figure out how much you spent the night before. And there's this, there's this sort of business card. And I do still remember, but I sort of vaguely remember this conversation about this guy. Anyway, Curiosity, I thought, wait, it took about two weeks of, of thinking this, but I thought, yeah, I'll ring him up. Yeah, what, what have I got to lose? So I rung this guy up and he said, look, I do behavioral safety. His name is Dan Terry. Um, and apart from presentations, I normally show a video, but what I really like to do is do a live, you know, a live talk in the room. So I ran through the story and the accident. And he said, yeah, yeah, your accident. Yeah, I've heard that. What else did you do? It, it was more into the fact that my wife left me. I turned to drugs and the effect on my family. He says, that is what makes change. That's what makes people, mm-hmm. if they're going to change the way you know, they work, it's listen to how your family and friends are affected. So he took me somewhere to, to see what he did. And I sat at the back of him thinking, not a chance. There's no way on this earth that I'm going to sit in front of people and share my story. And he rang me after about two or three weeks saying, what do you think? I said, I'm in Tenerife. <laughs> I ain't doing it. I've gone back to Tenerife for a couple of months. I was, no chance, mate. It's just not for me. And fair play to Dan. Um, he waited uh, two or three months later and ran back and said, look, what you've told me, your story, you have to share it with other people, without a doubt. And I can remember going somewhere and 
this time, the story was about 15 minutes long, mainly about the accident. And I'd gone somewhere, and there was a guy in the audience right in the front, front row, decided he wasn't listening, not sat at the back, not listening, right in front, right in front of me, arms crossed, head down, twiddling. I don't want to listen to this. And I just, I don't know. To this day, I don't know why, but I just thought, right. And I told him everything. Everything. From leg bags to how you go to the toilet to sex to just everything. And at the end of the day, fair play to the guy. He's got up, walked across to me, and he, he just shut my hand. Nice. And he said, yeah. said, I get it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I honestly, in that moment, that's why I went, I get it. This, yeah. this is not about me. It's not yeah. it, it, from that before that, it was all about me, but my life, my me. And from that, it wasn't. It was about how how would you cope if this happened to you? It changed the way I presented it. And everybody said it just changed everything. I think, you know, I'd have probably made a career as a speaker, but what sort of speaker would have made? Because it was all about me. You know, don't, don't be like, feel sorry for me. And it, 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 I changed. I changed my language. Um, yeah. And I think that, that was probably the, the, the start of the turning point. Again, alcohol was still in the background because I was, you know, and then the more you get, and I lead to your book, the more you have, people just presume well, he's doing well, he's happy, he's got money, he's got a house, he's got a car. I looked at his life, he's brilliant. And it, 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 in a way, it makes, it makes your personal life even worse because you, you, you like putting on a front all the time. And it's, you allude to it, it's like, it's tiring. I mean, I was shattered all of the time. I was so tired. Because you put them up front all the time to appear that you're coping, you're happy, and you know everything's great, and you're spending the money, and you're gone on the holidays, and it's like, oh, but you know, internally, I just just wasn't getting it. Um, I think in the end, in the end, you can't wear that mask forever. You just yeah. can't. It just doesn't work. You know, I mean, I wore a mask for many years, and I had my own addictions and everything else in the music industry and everything I did for. 20 years and everything but one of the things i've written down i wrote down here earlier and i've actually just came back we've come back around to it is you know once you take the focus off yourself you know once you take the focus off yourself and your own ego from my perspective certainly as a dj aren't i great you know as soon as i took all that focus off myself and for me it took my collapse and incurable disease bankruptcy for you it took your accident clearly and then the, the aftermath of your accident for you, you to work through it over a long uh, quite a long period of time really um, but once you finally get to that point where you take the focus off you, all of a sudden, life can actually be really beautiful again when you start giving, giving that positive energy to other people, right? Yeah. Obviously, I started on this sort of um, trying to look after myself, educate myself a little bit more about what's possible. You know, you know, it was actually Dan Terry who actually got me into the secret. Um, he just yes. says, you know, but he says, I think you're ready to listen to this. And I was like, what do you mean I'm ready? He says, you are. Yeah. You started to take some ch positive change. You, you started to create these things in your own life. Um, and it did. And it, it, things just started to move so fast. Everything was just a success and everything was working. I was so happy. Well, appear, thinking to myself, I was so happy. Um, uh, when, did you first, when, did, when did you first see The Secret, Jase? Um about 2008, 2009. Dan got about six months after working with Dan. Okay. He started building me up my confidence, so it didn't sort of bring it out straight away. And I said to him after I watched it for the very first time, I was both working away somewhere, and he said, go to your room and watch this. Um, 
And when I watched it, it come back to watch the thing. So I said, well, watch it again then. So I watched it twice. So I was thinking, and yeah, I got it more of a second time. But I did say to him afterwards, says, look, I'm being totally straight with you. If you'd have shown me that one month ago, I'd have laughed. I'd have said, what a load of crap that is. <laughs> I, I would have been right, because it, it is what it is. If you believe it, you believe it. If you don't believe it, it's right. So, and from that, he, he, he sort of started, advi- you know, make some plans, you know, start you know, making these balls, making some conscious place where you want your life to go, what is it you want in life. So from that, he was the key to the start of changing me. You know, he, he was working also with a guy called Matt who worked related. Um, he was on the same vein. You know, make 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 the most of the opportunities. You know, you, you've been dealt a, a bad card, you know, and that's what's happened. But you can't change that. All you can change is, is what's happening in your future. So but all you can change is this present moment and then how you're responding. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, suppose what, I, I didn't really get into the now to a bit later, so it was all about focusing on what what could achieve. So that was a great great turning point in my life. But again, still sort of a bit unfulfilled with stuff. Well, you were, I mean, bless you, you were so lovely uh, when obviously I sent you the book and then I showed you the Bob Proctor uh, endorsement video and stuff like that, and you just sent me this message back going like, Mark, that's just like, like blowing my mind. It's like, you know, Bob Proctor, like, you know, endorsing Life Remixed and stuff like that. And of course, you know, he's on the back of the book and he's endorsed it and he sent that video and everything. It's just, you know, I mean, that's, that's powerful stuff, you know. And actually, you know, for me personally, to be endorsed by a guy, I saw The Secret in 2006. And honestly, I, I straight up, honestly, from the moment I heard your story and then saw you speak, I, I just knew that there was a lot of synergy between us. I didn't know we were both yellow, blues in e-colours, for instance. I didn't know your full story. I didn't know lots of things, but I just had this vibe about you and what you were doing, your mission, and what you would continue to do, obviously. Uh, you know, your mission to, to reach out to other people and let them hear your story, but for the ultimate aim of them having a good day at work and going home to their families and not having to go through, you know, the sort of, you know, if you want to call it the river of shit or whatever that you've had to kind of like get through, you know, like the Shawshank Redemption, you know, it's kind of like, you know, just trying to, trying to work out your way in the world and it taking 20 years or more, you know, I mean, so, so, you know, I knew from the moment I was like, this is amazing. So for me to understand that you actually watched the secret only a couple, two or three years after me and like, you know, and we're here now and obviously you're, you know, you're going to attend my e-colors awareness course. You're going to attend my five days to remix your life course. You know, you're on some Tony Robbins courses at the moment, right? You're doing some stuff there as well, right? Yeah, I'm doing that on like, um, the, you know, the uh, full immersion thing in June. So I'm doing loads of this stuff, like you know, getting ready to, to go on there. Because, yeah, it's just that next phase, isn't it? But ne- I, I'm looking for that next thing now. and I know it's there. So instead of just yeah. sitting there waiting for things to happen, yeah. Well, you and, you and I, you and I are going to be talking a lot more after this interview and beyond. And we're getting some lovely comments. So, a good colleague of mine, a great friend, uh, Ian Collins, saying such a powerful message. Thank you for sharing. Uh, and you'll meet Ian in due course. He's a fantastic guy, and also in Ecolors uh, Equilibria coach. He's a top fella. Um, and a, a friend of mine, Marcus in Ireland, said just finished watching The Secret before uh, got uh, before we got talking. He's definitely going to watch it again. Yes. Do go and watch it again, you know, and, and understand that we are what we think about. There is a law of um, a law of attraction. There is a law of vibration. And these things, whether you believe them or not, are actually happening, right? <laughs> so, you know, I think if you tune into it, the, be- the quicker you tune into it, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, good on you. Good on you. And so, um, yeah, a little bit on, on the e-colours, of course. So, you know, you did your yellow boot, you did your personal diversity indicator and it came out as yellow-blue. 
uh, you know, and you read, we read through some of the report and everything. I mean, what did you think about that? Yeah, spooky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, I, I, I get a lot of things pushed at me thinking, oh, I can do this. I just thought, here we go, I'll get a try. And I, I want it not to be right. I, it's like I wanted something to be wrong in it. And even even when we was going through it, thinking if only I said something else, I might have been green. But I, I read all things. It wasn't just one or two. You know, you know how I feel about some stuff. That it, what is it? Is it just cleverly marketed, everything fixing? But someone was so not me. So it, if I'd have been a different colour, I said, no, Mark, that's not me. I'm not yeah. that one. But it was just it, everything we went through was what makes you agree with us? So it's all, everything. There's, there's nothing I didn't agree with. It was just like the whole lot was spot on. Um, so, yeah, and, and again, the fact that it's, it's, it's not it's not billed as the answer to everything, it's a tool to give you the awareness. You know, it, it, you know, sort of things, you might be more a slightly different colour some days, but that general awareness of where you are, I can't see what, Anyone can see negative in that whatsoever because it gives you least understanding of maybe. So now I do it all the time. That's my pause button because I dive in all the time. You know what I'm like. We're having conversations, talking over each other. It's pretty ridiculous sometimes. I don't understand what we're saying. So now when you're talking, I just press my wrist and that literally is my pause. I mean, everybody I say, my daughter, Abby's saying it all the time to me. Dad, you cut people off. Sam goes ballistic. It's a dad, you're doing it again. You jumped in, you took over conversation so for me to pause you know if i got nothing else out of this the fact that i could be on site now and just press my wrist i know don't speak don't speak listen and listen to what people are saying here so they're waiting wait, don't listen to what they say just wait from a break in the conversation so you can get rambling again and that's been a massive problem of mine so just if you concentrate on that one thing has that changed my life massively is that right. where, where i got meetings Massively. So instead of thinking, right, speak, ramble on like I do, best of times, to have that pause, just calm down for a moment. If you're talking, pause yourself. If you haven't finished talking, just pause yourself for a moment, catch your breath and start again. You know, so, yeah, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it is what it is. And it just, it, it, it proves, you know, it just proves it's it's got such a value. Well, that's the point. I mean, if you think about it, you know, they've canvassed thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people uh, for the e-colours, you know, across high-risk industries, you know, across uh, the world. Uh, and, and so they've broken it down to 12 different personality types, you know. Uh, and you and I and, and uh, a good friend of mine, Diana, as well, a coaching client and a good friend who's writing an amazing book as well. She's also yellow blue. And she's just uh, just le uh, left a lovely comment. Let's just put that up as well. Uh, she says, I'm so moved and inspired by your will and determination to move from surviving to thriving. Your story is helping so many people and will for many years to come. Thank you, Jason, for sharing such an honest way. Uh, beautiful. Diana's a beautiful soul. Um, and, and also yellow blue, very, very similar to, to us as well in that, in that, in that way. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but if you go through all the tendencies, there's so much of it. I mean, the first time I read my, my e-colors when I was yellow blue, it said, you may be musically orientated. Well, I'm not being funny, but I've just been a DJ for 20 years. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, right. Okay. And then the next thing it said, he said, you might like parties. Oh no, no, you will like parties. I was like, of course I like parties. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, and I think what really what really cemented the whole thing was when Abby did it, because Abby was 
it comes to being, she's, she's, it was just so good. Because this was predominantly, what's Blue. She, blue, in one shade. It was 40% blue, wasn't she? Yeah. Massively. But that sums me up all the time. She, she, it's spot on. You know, it's yeah. not, not similar. It's just it was a personality spot on. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful tool. And it's something that obviously I'm working with Lewis and Ian and Emma, my wife, and everything else. And we're, we're talking to schools. We're talking to addiction centres. We're talking to so many different people, construction companies. You know, one of our dreams is to be able to move this further out. And so that self-awareness um, you know, because the yellow blue tendency, especially we are, we have a tendency to jump in and interrupt, as you say, in meetings, but we also have a tendency to jump in to try and help other people. We think we're helping. And in, on a construction site, sometimes that can be a potential risk. I mean, this came from oil rigs, a lot of it, and it came from oil rigs originally because that's where Lewis was. He was the health and safety manager for Transocean worldwide, all the, the biggest rig operator in the, on the planet. Um, and um, uh, Yellow Blues, it came out. It, when I first time I read it, bear in mind I was like a DJ coming out of music and looking for something new to kind of get into. And it said, um, you might, you know, if you jump in to help someone else, you might get seriously hurt or killed. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? You know. But the point was, was that you know, that really got me because I was like, because I, I do, I do that. You know, I, I'm, I can put myself at risk sometimes by jumping in to help other people. And I think, again, pause. Hold on. You know, do they really need me to jump in? Can I wait for a second? Can I, I mean, it can change your whole behaviour if you, if you take it on board and then use it in the right way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good on you, mate. And I really appreciate your feedback on that as well because, uh, yeah, and uh, Emma says uh, she's a green blue. So, yeah, spot on. It's spot on for her as well. And uh, Diana's saying yellow blue. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, we all understand what we're talking about here. And it's, it's, it's a powerful thing. But look, let's get back, to, let's get back to, to where you are. I mean, obviously, COVID has been a, a strange old time. Uh, you know, uh, what you've been doing for the last 12 months. I mean, you've been doing some online training, of course. But, I mean, it's, it's changed, changed everything, hasn't it? Yeah, change everything. You know, first two weeks of your diary just disappearing in front of your eyes. It was like, what? What are we going to do? Well, then I just let's find what we're going to do. Uh, Abby and my granddaughter and her husband moved into my house, so I was like, you know, so I had my granddaughter here for the first lockdown. Just, just magical for months. Just every day, wake up by my granddaughter. Just fantastic. I, I loved it, and I think I needed a break. But because of work, you don't break because you you know it's your business. People book book a day and you go and do it. Um, I, I first started used to have all December off and, and January. If I had two months off, you know, just go to Tenerife for a month and have some time off. Well, that disappeared. You know, I, I back to work first of January, second of January. You're back out working again. So I was physically exhausted. I, I had a health scare in 2016, um, and they put down to exhaustion basically. Says you need to slow down a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. I did for did for a bit, and then you back out. And you just get back to it. So yeah, for me, I've I've really enjoyed the time off. I've like, been doing some online stuff now. I've got a studio, so we can do some online stuff. Got all the gear going really well. Doing stuff abroad, um, you know. So so it's, it's open more doors open up. Um, so I've really use the opportunity to, to relook at what we do. I mean, I can't wait to get out doing live stuff again because that's... Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think we're all looking forward to that, especially as trainers and coaches and everything else, right? Yeah. Can, can I have a quick message, Jace? So, uh, 
a friend of mine, Andy, just said, I've heard you talk about e-colors a lot, but those words he's talking about from you, Jace, uh, just really caught my attention. So that's that's really that's really important. And if you want to join uh, my, my next e-colors awareness session, just give me a shout. And uh, I'm doing it on Saturday, the 10th of April. Uh, hopefully, Jason and Abby will uh, will both join us as well, uh, which would be amazing. And uh, Marcus asking, what is the e-colors? Uh, I'll come back to you on that, mate. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly something that's really, really interesting. Uh, and I think you'll enjoy it. But yeah, we want to get back out on the live stuff as well. But I think, you know, will you, will you, I mean, because you, you've been doing stuff from some some training for Amazon uh, online as well, right? So, um, I mean, that's something that you can continue to do. I know when I start to do live events, I will, I'll still have a stream uh, available. So I'll still stream the event worldwide while I've still got some people in the room and, and working like that because it's just opened up you know, it's opened up the door to that as well, right? Um, absolutely. And we, we, we've got a client, um, UK-based and Europe-based, but we have a um, facility in Houston, Texas. We're making um, Mexicans working there. Um, can, uh, we've just found out Zoom to do translations for you. You can do a translated version. So it's just opened up doors that we never thought we'd have done before. So, But you know, I'm just desperate to go out, get back out traveling again, back out working. So, yeah, so... Basically, going back to the, the lockdown for me, we, we we weren't affected. Any family members have been affected by it. You know, a couple of family members caught it, but no one's been seriously hurt by it. So for us as a family, we haven't. I've just had a great year off work. It's just been. Yeah, I mean, I think in every crisis there is an opportunity, and if if the opportunity for you was to have a break, have a breather, uh, you know, and then come back again stronger, then that's a great thing. Yeah, and. What it's also given me, me and Sean's been practicing like mad. It's given me a time to go back over my story and reintroduce different parts because I didn't normally have the time to rewrite my story, so I was just always delivering. So, yeah. when, do you, when do you rewrite stuff? So, we've, we've I'm speaking about things I've never spoke about before, good you know, for you, just being different elements. But now the story ends on a positive note, it's all about my, my turnaround. As much well, as I want, that, I want to come on to that, I want to come on to that for a big finish because I think it's beautiful what you've done, mate. It's beautiful, right? But, um just to cover one quick thing there as well, you mentioned about Houston, Texas. So the e-colors and Equilibria, uh, they're huge with Chevron, which is based obviously in the States and goes worldwide on rigs and, and across across the world in oil and gas. But they also did the Houston Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They trained like the, like the London Olympics. They did the e-colors for something like 10,000 people for all the volunteers for the Houston uh, Super Bowl. And it's, it's huge in, in America. The e-colors thing is massive. Um, and that's why it's such a great thing, I think, here in uh, here in the UK for us to be working with these guys and actually rolling it out. So, um, so all power to us for that. Right. And for you as well, Jace, for, uh, for your feedback, it's wonderful. So let's talk about, let's talk about the turnaround. Let's talk about the success. Let's talk about the, the positives that you've taken from this entire journey. Um, you know, because there is a lot to, to be thankful for, isn't there? There's a lot to be grateful for. Um, and there's a lot that, that a lot of positives that you take out into, into the world now. Yeah. Um, I, I felt that my story had to change. You know, the safety story I got, built my business around. And I, I sort of tried to start to change it, bring a lot of the well-being stuff into it. And I, I was not, not advised, but just quite worried to hear from certain people in the industry saying, Jace, you're making the wrong decision. Do not change. Your, your story is great. But I, I set myself up, no, I want to do this. It, it felt the right thing to do. Tell them about the story, but try and pick people up. Talk about my, my mental health, mental world issues. And how, how I overcame it by doing some simple things in my life. I thought it was really important to to share. And like I say, a lot of, not a lot of criticism, but you know, people just made rumblings. Jace, you, you don't. This is not your area. Don't go into this. But I really 
felt was the connection between safety and well-being. Mm. And then obviously, uh, Tim Marsh, Dr. Tim Marsh, he's been a, he's been a confidant of mine for years, someone I could turn to for advice. He was always where, willing to give me a hand. Tim called to give me talks on where, being on video, yeah, of course, we'll make whatever you want. So I've always kept in touch with Tim. And it was, uh, I'd gone through, um, I got myself into a relationship. It, it hadn't worked out. I'd been working away. And um, I got arranged meeting with Tim on a Friday in Manchester and turned up. So I said, how are you doing, As a girlfriend. So she, she's left me. And he just looked at me and he just said, are you all right? I went, uh, yeah. And he went, yeah, you are. And I thought, but if he tells me I'm all right, I'm all right. Um, so it, it, it sort of anchored where the, the, this belief that well-being and how you feel and how you set yourself every day can change where you are. So I'd struggled for years. Now, alcohol had always been my crutch to turn to, you know, and I would say as a relationship ended, the best thing about it was she she, she convinced me to, to stop drinking so heavily. Good. So, you know, I, I always said that was a, a great point. So when people say you weren't upset when she left, I said, well, you know, I thought it was really resilient because of all these new learnings, but it's quite a brand new revelation to me. You'll probably like this one because I'm not actually told you that when she left and I wasn't upset, I thought I'd been really resilient. I was like, whoa, I've really cracked it now. This resilient stuff, I know what I'm doing. But I've actually thought about it now. I thought I'd already decided when, when we got with it, it wasn't going to last because of that native thoughts pattern I had. So mm. I'd set myself up to fail because I'd already made the connection that. Yeah, I'm with someone, but it's not going to last. She'll get, she, she's not going to last for on the wheelchair. So in mm. a way, I'd set myself up to fail. That's yeah, because you created that. That's what you created. So yeah. it's all that, you know, you, you keep, you know, it might be something you say in your, but it's just this sort of realisation, hang on a Chase, you sabotage your relationship there because you'd already convince yourself it wasn't going to work. And guess what? It didn't. Mm. So yeah. Well, you were right. You proved yourself right. Proved yourself right. goes back to what I say. It works whether you believe it or not. So... Yeah. Yeah. But what the biggest part of the story now is because we talk about my health and well-being and the simple little things I've done. Now, for years, I was looking for this big magical thing that was going to turn my life around. And it never appeared. But since I've done these little things, little changes every day, wake up with gratitude every day. Before I open my eyes, I lay there in my bed. I just think about my granddaughter. I think about straight away. And it doesn't matter how I've slept. What's going on? I just think of my granddaughter and that smile comes on my face in the morning. And that's why very open my eyes. And I think you can't wake up better than that in the morning with a smile on your face. Um, I always say I give myself a little uh, 10 minutes in the morning, a bit of me time. But when I'm presenting, I always say to the young guys, I think your understanding of a bit of me time might be a little bit different from mine. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I've got, I've got a couple of things here for you, right? I've got a couple of things for you. So, yeah, the whole self-sabotage thing, I think, is something that's a really interesting discussion. Um, I would say about the breakup of the relationship at that time was that every single person that comes into our lives has a message for us, um, and we have to make sure we're listening. So some people might just come in for a little while. Some people might come in for a lifetime. Yeah. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, everyone has a message and you have to make sure each time that you're listening. And if that was your message from that relationship, which is cut down on the alcohol, calm down a little bit there and perhaps go into the next one with a more positive outlook, then they, then you've learned something, haven't you? You know, other people in the family might have a different viewpoint to me, but I'm so grateful for that relationship. It's changed me so much. 
and without that relationship, I would have still been going to the pub every weekend, still doing the same things. It changed me. You know, Good. And I say all the time, people people say to me, which is quite funny, people ask me the question, you look really well, Jace. You look really well. You look really happy. What have you done? And I, I start to tell them all the well things. No, no, not all that rubbish. Tell me what you've done. So they're still thinking this is a big thing. It's not. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like we're off at the minute. I've got into a cold shower in the morning. It's just tracks. I've been sat just laughing at me constantly. What are you doing now, Dad? But honestly, I get out of bed in the morning straight for a cold shower. I like you're quite like Rocky. It's like the most amazing feeling in the world. <laughs> I've been in a shower for two minutes on freezing cold water. I mean, do, you know, do you know? You know? You know? Danny Ramblin. You know Danny Ramblin, who's written, who's written yeah. uh, part, part one of the forward of the book. Obviously, quite a well, you know, quite a, one of one of the founders of house music in the UK. Yeah. Uh, Danny has got into that cold water swimming, that kind of like Wim yeah. Hofford. Like he's in the he's in the English Channel every morning. I'm like, Dan, what are you doing? Fair play. Ice baths is the next one I'm going to try. But yeah, I mean, going back to Danny Ramblin, one of the early dudes who used to follow. Sasha yeah. John, John DeGuid, and uh, you know that, that that was people we we followed at the time. The, the pioneers that all kicked off. Well, I love I love the fact that life remixed and my memories of it all resonated with you so much as well. It's beautiful, mate. And um, here I've got a question here from Emma, and I think it's an important one. I want to share it with you, right? So um, uh, let's. Uh, well, before I do that, actually, just one other thing I've written down here. Uh, we got a puppy at the weekend, uh, and I, I have the same. I have the same. I have the same look on my face with this puppy. About like you probably have with your granddaughter, which is like if you feel if you're feeling a bit like oh, anything, you know what I mean. You just look at the puppy and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. all good. <laughs> exactly. So look, Emma says, uh, look at this. This is an important one, I think, Chase. Um, I've got younger cousins who will jump up ladders and onto roofs without a thought about their own safety. I guess as a long, as young lads, they think they are indestructible. Uh, did you feel that way when you were younger? And what would you say to my young cousins now? Well, that's quite a poignant one, but I mean, you know. It's a great one. I mean, yeah, I was 24, Emma, you know, when I'm Max. And yeah, it's not happened to you. You're young, you're brave, you do all these things. Um, watch the video. The Proud Safe video, we, we, we made it for free. We put it out on, on, on YouTube. So get and sit down and watch that. You know, it, it, mm. It shows the impact that accidents actually have. So it's not just about them. Um, but unfortunately for youngsters, their belief is it's never going to happen to them. We was all young. We all did those things. Um, and just, you know, so, yeah, sitting down and show the video. Um, yeah. Even, you know, it's the impact it has on family. I mean, the clip of my dad crying, as Mark said before, when we filmed the first film, my dad, it was the first thing my dad did. I mean, he edited it slightly differently. My dad cried. We asked him one question. He burst out crying. That was 17 years after my accident. Just the emotion of being asked the question, how was you affected by Jason's accident? My dad just cried. So, uh, yeah, try and get that they understand that their actions have been potential consequences. You know, yeah, and they have, they have young families as well. You know, they have young families, and it's like you know, it's not just them, is it? It's not just them. You know, they're not indestructible. And if it, it could be one slip, it could be one, uh, you know, accident, incident, near miss, a problem. You know, it could be anything that that, that affects them and other people. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, mate, your story has it's got so much, um, so much power behind it, Jace, and. Uh, you know, I'm really excited for us to think about working together and things we might be able to do together in the future because I think there's so much synergy between us, as we've discovered, even in the last month since we've been sharing books and talking to one another. And, I, I, you know, like I said to you, you've affected my life in the last 10 years in a really positive way. 
uh, you know, and I want you to know that I personally am really grateful to you uh, for, for, for reaching out and for giving all those talks at Heathrow and all these other, you know, places where you've been because I've seen the effect, uh, you know, I, I've seen the effect on groups of men generally working uh, in, in, you know, just playing them the video and watching them, uh, watching them respond to what they see. Um, you know, I'd say a 99% success rate of people just going like, uh, right, you know, I've, I've got to think about this in a different way. Um, you know, and so, you know, it's, but, but what I love about your story, Jason, what I love about the, the well-being piece and everything else is that now you're talking about simple changes in positive impact on well-being and, you know, people saying to you, oh, you know, that's not your field and, and, and don't go into it and stuff like that. You know, I understand why they're trying to say it to you, but that's, that's, that's not for me. That's, that's a negative mindset. You don't need it because we all change. We all evolve. We all grow. Every human being who's healthy mentally has a way of wanting to grow and move forward and do something. We all, some of us go slowly. Some of us go really quick. But the bottom line is, is that we all, we can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Cause in the end, it just becomes like monotony, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, going back to Tim, it was Tim that really pushed me. You know, he said, Jay, your story's great, but think about the impact you could have by talking about the positives. Yeah. I, even after, but it's total time to tell me, yeah, I mean, Tim's been instrumental in me, me, me you know, changing this story. So, like, I want you on stage to talk about the positives. I want, I want you to inspire people to, you know, because safety is one as, small aspect, but if you get people happier, they tend to work safer anyway. So instead of trying to stop them working safely, feeling miserable, why don't you cheer people up? Because if, you know, if people in that mindset, they, they won't switch off the wrong button or they won't turn off Heathrow or by pressing the wrong button. You know what I mean? I've got, I've got an interesting thing about that. I got, I got taught this a while ago when I was going through my sort of changes and understanding what, understanding how I'd manifested an incurable disease and bankruptcy and all this other like crazy crap that I'd come up with in my younger life. Um, and it was a quote from someone or other, I can't remember right now, but it said something to the effect of people won't necessarily remember what you said, but they will definitely remember how you make them feel. Absolutely. <laughs> so right, isn't it? You know? And so all I do now is I just make people feel as good as I possibly can and they seem to remember me and like it. That's nice, right? So, I, you know, you're taking the same message out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's like I've been reborn presenting. I, I just love doing it now. You know, it's not, it's not like, oh, here we go again, another talk. I just love it. I love seeing the change in people. We, you connect with so many more people. You know, people come up to you and, like, not the one or twos normally you know, telling a story about an accident or well, literally five, six, seven, ten people staying behind talking about how their lives are not so great at the moment. You've inspired them to go home. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. And I think that, you know, what do we do it for? I don't do it for praise. I'm not into getting feedback from people saying, oh, great presentation. When someone says, uh, uh, I had a message from somebody, she, she was a, a strawberry drink for, for 20 odd years and been sober three, four hundred days. But she had a stressful week. It was a birthday. She planned to go home and drink a couple of bottles of wine. And she's after your presentation, she said, I didn't do it. I sat down with my son, eight year old son, my husband. We had a quiet family, you know, family meal together. She says, next day, I'm sat at the table. I'm not on over at work. She says, thank you so much. And for me, that's probably the best bit of feedback I've ever had from a conversation thinking, 
wow, I actually changed somebody's life at home. You know, right. not just working safe on a side. This is this is people thinking about what they're doing in the home place. It was like true, most humbling uh, bit of feedback I've ever had from anybody. Yeah, one of the things, one of the things I would say, Jace, is that um, what you're talking about for me, and I heard it described this way recently by another another coach in America, is um, light bulb moments. Like you know, when you're delivering a speech and you see other people have light bulb moments, and then you're inspiring them to change a behaviour. Um, you know, however you use it, I'm using my story, you're using your story, but however you reach people and you can actually share a story and go, here, listen to this. And, and someone will go, ah, yeah, okay. And that's what I've tried to do with Life Remixed. You just fill it full of stuff that people can apply to their own lives and just go, yeah, I get it. And I, I can change it. I can do this in a different way. And it's a bit on relationships. There's all sorts of stuff in there. Um, but you're, what you're doing is the same. You're inspiring change. You're inspiring people's you know, changing behavior and stuff like that. Um, and what I would say as well, getting loads of beautiful comments coming in. Uh, and I want to keep sharing them with you, Jace, because uh, they're so cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, powerful videos, says Diana. Uh, Andy's just saying, thank you for the talk, gents, and all power to you both. And Andy, I know uh, he's doing a, he's got a page called Inspire and Be Inspired now, and he's getting buzzed up and, about helping other people as well, which is amazing. Emma's sharing the Proud to be Safe video in the chat. Um, Richard is just saying, I'm really enjoying your bookmark, and thanks for signing it for me. It's my pleasure, Richard. And uh, I need I need Amazon reviews. I have to be honest. I'm going to put my hand up. We've got 20, 21, 22 reviews. We need 100 to start getting noticed on Amazon, like properly noticed. So please, everyone, Jace, give me an Amazon review, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah chapter 7, I'm not, I'm not the fastest reader in the world, so I do apologize. I'm Chapter 7, which is great. It's good for me to read that much in one go. Well, that's amazing. And uh, I, I have to share as well, because I think it's quite funny. You, you've got a little WhatsApp group, haven't you, in your family? And you started talking about me all excited. And uh, they, they, all your family started taking the piss out of you. Did, what, did, what did they say? A friend. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a new friend. Jealous of our mate. Just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing, mate. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, there's loads of people. There's loads of people commenting, Jay. Uh, it's, it's so good, mate, honestly. And we've been here for nearly 90 minutes and, uh, and we knew we would be, didn't we? But um, obviously, you've got the Anchor and Marsh thing. I mean, Tim Marsh, he's, like you mentioned, is, a, is an inspirational speaker, a fantastic guy. Uh, very, very knowledgeable. So you've got a, a, a consultancy, a thing you're working with. Uh, <laughs> sorry, hang on. Hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Friend, Facebook friend. <laughs> People are taking the piss out of us now, Jay. Well, I don't care. Do you? No, it's fine. Um, so, um, but yeah, obviously you've got the Anchor and Mars thing, which is going great. And that's a, a really good thing you're doing in the world. And then obviously plans for Proud to be Safe to come back and get out there again. Yeah, 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 it's great. So obviously, everybody runs proud safe. I've sort of gone to anchor on my side, side of things. But I mean, I mean, most of my work comes through Abbey still. Most of my speaking work is, is contacts Abbey's got, and that's what it works. But, you know, it's great that because as much as proud safe has been a success, and you know, we've got other speakers on there, for me, it was like always what are you going to do next? I mean, you've worked with good companies, and hopefully, they, they get me into a presentation to raise the awareness and every, everything else. And then you follow that up with all the good things you do as, as the company. But for me, for a lot of companies, they, they get an special speaker in and then do nothing else. And it, it lasts for three months, six months. I mean, some people are always going to be effective forever, like yourself. Some people, you can catch them forever. But, you know, for, for half the people, three months later, six months later, they've probably gone back to what they did before. 
It's mm. not until there's been an accident or near miss to get you back in again. So what you do next after you've got all this momentum has always been the the bit for me that what's been missing. Obviously, teaming up with Tim is like, yeah, we can go and do an inspirational speak and then one of the comments says, what, what do we do? What do we do with this inspirational speak? Well, this is what you need to do. So it's always been the bit. And again, we, even though we do behavioural safety still, uh, the main focus is on human error mm. through education and empowerment. And we've got a product called Here Too. Just looking at people's well-being, looking at I, I, I set people up to go to work. You set people up to fail, and then generally they, they fail. And then they don't, don't work unsafe. And you, well, you've set people up to fail, then you just tell them not to work unsafe. It's... There's always been this paradox when we safety that you know, if you're setting guys up to fail, then as soon as something goes wrong, you just want to blame the guys for working on safely. You know, you've been trained, you, why, why are you doing what you do? So, for me, the, the, the whole um, moving to looking at mental, mental health and mental well being, like a holistic approach to health, safety, and well being, is what's really exciting again. So, yeah, I'm just buzzing both things. I mean, Abby's doing a fantastic job at Proudly Safe, she's you know, she works. I mean, she's pregnant. She's got a second child due in June, and yeah, oh, wow. she's in the office, yeah in the office every day. Just stuff she does, and she's not. She might be listening, so I say she's a really nice boss, but she tends to shout at me quite a lot. But I don't. Know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's amazing. And I love the fact you can work so closely together. I mean, you know, she, she comes across so well in the video I've seen. I, I look forward to meeting her one day. Uh, and, and Sam, I mean, I mean Sam's, yeah. Sam's probably more affected by my accent than, than well, and being a lad. Being his, you know, he, he's probably stuffing a little bit more. But yeah, Sam's turned the corner. He's living with me again now. So he's moved into my house so, with his dog. And it's like, yeah. So it's <laughs> like catching up together. So it's, it's really nice. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful, mate. And I, I love the fact that, you know, you've turned it around and literally turned it around from not just like one, you know, workplace accident when you were 23, 24, but also like a, a potential near-death experience when you're on a, you know, life support machine as well. I mean, you know, not everyone necessarily knows about that part of the story unless they've read your book or heard you speak, uh, you know, a, an event and stuff like that. So just for you sharing that is, is incredible. And yeah, I think you're right. I think that a lot of companies, they have a culture and they, they bring in a speaker and then think they've done enough, you know, and it's like, well, no, there needs to be a whole piece behind that. So I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've seen Lewis's book, actually, at the end of the day, Lewis Senior wrote oh, his yeah, Thank you, mate. You've sent it. I've got it. Yeah. You already. And Lewis Senior's book was obviously, he actually had a collapse uh, and a potential mental health issue, you know, years ago from overworking. And his boss at Chevron said to him, Will you become a corporate coach with us? Because nobody knows more after the after the incident. Nobody knows more than you about how people can get overwhelmed and stressed. I mean, what a cool boss that was, right? But the bottom line is, is he gave Lewis a chance to get equilibria out there, to get e-colors out there, and to then uh, you know start corporate coaching. And now everyone in Chevron, they're one of the safest and one one of the most productive companies because they all do their e-colors. They all choose to do their e-colors and they work together. Uh, in such a powerful way but you're right that backup piece of actually helping people more and more and more in high-risk environments and indeed just in day-to-day environments is so important so you know I love the fact that you're uh, you know you're you're in there and that's your growth process and and I know we'll continue that conversation so just to sort of wrap it up as as we're at 90 minutes now and I think there might be an England game that we can catch the last 20 minutes of or something um so if people want to book you or find you or or what do they do how do, do they go to a website yeah, the Anchor Marsh website or the Proud Safe website. I mean, I mean, looked after most of the, most of the bookings anyway. Um, uh, yeah, 
So, so they can just they can reach out to you via socials, LinkedIn's, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, an anchor and Marshall, proud to say, if you get me on either one. Um, speak yeah. to you, speak to Abby. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, she's the boss. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate, I'm sure she's. I'm sure she's a wonderful boss. So, uh, <laughs> say again. She's a great boss. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I work with Emma. I work a lot with Emma and she does, she, she's the boss. She does all the, all the important stuff. And I sit here and have a chat with you, mate. So, uh, but uh, listen, uh, I, I just want to say to you, right. It's been really, really, really wonderful for us to have this conversation this time tonight. There's been lots of interaction. There will continue to be lots of interaction in the coming weeks and months to this interview, because we'll put it out on a podcast. We'll put it out there. We'll let more and more people hear it. Um, as far as I'm concerned, mate, uh, you are doing, you know, wonderful, wonderful work. You've been through something, well, two things really that I said, you know, the, the, the fall at work and then obviously the, the, the life support machine. You've been through two things there that many people will never uh, experience uh, and yet you've turned them into a positive. I mean, it is the ultimate life remix, to be honest, Jason. <laughs> it's the ultimate. I, I mean, all I will say, you know, I have so many regrets about it took me 25 years to get to this moment, you know, and I used to beat myself up. Do you know what? I've realised it didn't. To change my life took one moment for yeah. me to change. It just took me 25 years to get to that moment. It, it, you know, it, it's so different because it did. It literally was a moment to think, no, I'm not I'm not doing this no more. I'm going to look for another way. And that way just then, because it, it, the more you do, the more it presents itself to you. So, yeah, it's been great, mate. I've loved it. It goes, it, it, basically, everything in life hinges on your decision. If you make a decision that it's a good thing, then you're going to work with it. If you make a decision it's a bad thing, you're going to wallow in it. And and it takes time, but, you know, it takes us as long as it takes to come out of it. And you've had two like, huge, you know, d- disasters, if you like, in your life to actually come back from. And yet here you are. And, uh, you know, everyone's commenting, but Emma, I'll put Emma up. She just says, fantastic. Fantastic what you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing, Jace. Um, really mate you're, a, you're, a, you're an inspiration mate you've been an inspiration to me for many years keep it up um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, us continuing our connection and uh, uh, and working together cl- more closely on, on whichever way we can find it because uh, I think you're a top fella and uh, I want you to uh, yeah just uh, you know enjoy enjoy the rest of uh, you know the, this year and let's get back to live events and let's get moving forward yeah. right see you mate cheers man right well you you stay, where, you, you stay where you are, mate, and I'll end the broadcast, but I'll just say goodbye to everyone. Uh, thanks very much for, for watching, and thanks for sharing, and etc. cetera. Uh, big, big love, uh, and I'll be back later in the week. So thanks all very, very much. Life Remixed. With Mark Wilkinson. Hi, it's Mark Wilkinson here, author of Life Remixed. Are you currently feeling stuck in your life with nowhere to go? Then it's definitely time to remix your life. The book is out now on Amazon across the world. It's been endorsed by Bob Proctor and Marcy Scheimer from The Secret, as well as some wonderful, wonderful people. You can also log on to markwilkinsonofficial.com, sign up, stay updated. We can help you take control of your life. Big, big love. Life Remixed.